Alright guys, we are back, we are caffeinated, we are ready to rock and roll here. Game jockeys Adam and Benji here to give that video game talkage. Benji, what's going on dude? Hey man, I'm, I wish I could say that I'm caffeinated, but I'm a little, uh, I'm running a little dry right now, actually. <gasps> Which doesn't, it doesn't feel like a proper episode when we both, both don't have a coffee. Oh no! But, uh, but otherwise, outside of not being caffeinated, I'm pretty good. How are you? Oh dude, I'm, I'm great. Uh, I, I'm great. Sorry though to hear that you're, you're running dry though, dude. That's just a, a catastrophe. My god. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. It's an unusual occurrence. Yeah. I actually didn't go out and, and, and get, a coffee from somewhere. I was actually like, you know, I'm not going to be lazy. I'm going to take the time. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make my own, and I'm, I'm going to enjoy it. I might have dipped some toast into it. Um, for those of you uh, not listening, uh, maybe you should listen to Funk Masters of Wrestling <laughs> and find out what that fuss is all about. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, we're here. We've got, we got pickups. I've got some discoveries that have been made that, you know. I've been playing video games for a very long time, and there are some things I just discovered that kind of just blew my mind that I'm like, I'm going to talk about this here. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I, I, I guess without further ado, let's just let's just jump into the good stuff here, the real meat and potatoes. You know, I always I always love hearing about this because I, I have no idea what, what Ben's got now at the moment. Let's do some pickups. So, uh, so Ben, what do, what do you got for us, dude? So I uh, recently, around New Year's Day, uh, we got an N64 hooked up again, yeah. and um, and which has been a mixture of good and bad because it's uh, it's on like a 40 inch TV. It looks great. I can't find any of my games. Oh no! Um, like I've been looking through my parents' house in their basement, and the only thing I know where my N64 is. Yeah. There's only there was only one game plugged into it, so I can play WWF No Mercy, um, but uh, that's been kind of a bummer. Is that I I have probably about I don't know twenty or thirty games sitting somewhere, um, unless my mother has done one of my favorite things that she does and has thrown them away. Oh um, God! Yeah, dude. I, I like anybody that that listens to. Uh, the funk masters or anything like that, like any wrestling fans can appreciate. I had a wrestling magazine collection starting in like 1991. Every W every WWF magazine from 1991 until probably whenever the magazine went, went under Uh, most PWIs, you know, that's just back when like there was like all sorts of different wrestling magazines you could go and grab. Um, chalked them, chalked every single one of them. Um, yeah, so I'm hoping that hasn't been the fate of my N64 games, uh, but it has allowed me to go and grab some N64 games. Um, so I've grabbed two so far, so I guess I'll start with my first pickup. Uh, I, I did go on eBay and grab a copy of WCW vs. NWO, uh, I guess it's Revenge. Nice, um, nice. Yeah, dude, so like... The whole thing for me is like I know that from an N64 standpoint, there's some better wrestling games. Like they, you know, like that's really the first like uh, that was on that engine, I think, from North America. Um, so there's some things missing. You know, like by No Mercy, you can do springboard drop kicks and stuff like that. There's none of that in, in WCW versus NWO. But 
the roster is so great in WCW versus NWO. Plus, it was the first wrestling game I had for my N64. But the thing that kind of bums me out about it is that um, I didn't do what you normally do or are very studious about. And what I normally will at least attempt, I didn't uh, check prices on it. Oh, and so I went on eBay, I searched it, I found a copy that was in great shape. It was like eleven dollars, two dollars two or three dollars shipping, and I was like, Oh, fourteen bucks, no big deal, right? Yeah, I mean, like it doesn't sound so too bad. bad. Yeah. So I went to Regen uh like two or three days ago and I could get first off, I could get a used copy for two dollars and ninety nine cents. Oh. But it gets worse. It gets worse. I could get a copy of it with the box and the artwork for eleven ninety nine. What? Whoa! Oh man! So I paid on eBay the exact same price plus shipping for what I could have gotten. I mean, like we're talking to you, it has the plastic slipcase that oh, the games came no. in. Oh so, no! So, so the next time I go to Regen, if that if that copy of WCW vs NWO is still there, I'm gonna buy it for display purposes. Yeah. Because um, my because my eBay copy has already come, you know, and I really wrestled with the idea of buying that 2.99 copy because my copy hadn't come in the mail yet. But I was like, ah, then we're getting into like spending twenty dollars and, um, but. Yeah, yeah, I'm probably, unless it's gone, and I don't know that that's going to be something someone's going to come out looking for, I'm going to go and grab that one with the original box. Uh, it, I, I don't think I want to let that one go, because it would be cool to, to like, display with the, N, with the N64. Um, but yeah, uh, I got eBay ripped off, that's for sure. Um, it, but, you know, gets, I mean... It's a lot worse, because I'm looking at other prices now on eBay, since you brought it up, and... Uh... Man, things change quick on eBay, that's for sure. Because now I'm seeing a game for six twenty nine with free shipping. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing four ninety seven. Well, it's got f- plus five dollars shipping. Uh... I uh, I definitely did not do my due diligence. Uh, I was at work. I searched it real quick. I was like, yes, that's what I want, and I I clicked buy it now without really doing my research. So I have learned a valuable lesson. Um, and I don't generally buy a lot of video games on eBay because generally I can get them cheaper at Regen. I just, for whatever reason, I thought, eh, I, I just, I wanted it, you know? And I was going to have to wait two or three days before I was going to get to Regen. And I was like, I don't want to risk going there and finding out that they don't have it. Mm. Um, so I made a snap judgment and now I'm going to end up with like two copies of WCW versus NWO Revenge. <laughs> and I'll end up with three if I can find my old games. Um, well, then you have but, some. Yeah, for, I mean, you have some to trade then. You know, in the future, if you're ever at, like yeah, a, like, if you're ever at a flea market or a convention or something like that, hey. Yeah, it's the, it's not the end of the world, but I'm I'm definitely gonna go. Like Regen has a handful, maybe like a dozen, a dozen and a half N64 games with with the plastic slipcase and the cover art. Um, I'll probably go through those and see what else they have because that's that's a very attractive. I mean, I haven't. I honestly have not owned an N64 game with the box since N64 games were still coming out because I was, you know, or preteen, early teens. I didn't keep any of that stuff back then. I just, I just wanted the game. Um, yeah. So yeah, I was kind of the same so, way with Game Boy games. Yeah, that, you see, that's another thing that I would like to have is like the game. I mean, now, now that I'm about to be 35, everything I collect. Uh, it's a very rare occurrence that I will buy something that does not have the original box and cover art. Um, because for me now, it's important because I'm going to display them. And, you know, like, I mean, what's to display if you don't have the box? Right, so, right. 
But, uh, yeah, my first pickup uh, of the, the last couple of weeks was WCW versus NWO Revenge for N64. Oh, very nice. And, and for those of you that don't know, uh, Ben and I, we, we love our, our wrestling and our wrestling games. So that's, that's, a, that's a real win right there. I mean, you know, thankfully, you know, it's, it's a common game. You know, I, I know some people might not see that as a holy grail. But you know what? It, it was a very popular game when it came out so so hey that's that's awesome though so that's that's great yeah i mean i can't you know i can't complain it'll it it it, it didn't cost me too much money and it was definitely something in the long run i wanted to be a part of my collection so it's all good right on so what else you got so this one was not so much for me as much as my girlfriend but we picked up a copy of tony hawk's pro skater for n64 yes yes So, so like we're sitting back. Uh, she, I'm playing uh, something on my Switch, and she's playing the Tony Hawk game. And like, all I really hear is like what sounds like crashing noises. Uh, so you know, I look up, and like she is, she's like doing a decent amount of crashing and falling down. And she's got a score of like 3,500 points. So I arrogantly, uh-oh, I might add, uh-oh. Uh, I'm like, oh man, I could do way better than 3,500 points. Give me the controller. So I pick up the controller and I proceed to score about 600 points. Um, and that's about the best that my score got in the handful of times that I tried. Oh, so my arrogance did not pay off because I am awful at Tony oh, Hawk's. Oh my Twitter. god! <laughs> um, I I think given some practice, I could do better. Uh, soundtrack's pretty cool. There's a lot of good punk rock in that. Oh, I um, loved the soundtrack to that game, dude. That was my introduction yeah. to punk music growing up as a kid. That and a game called um, Street Skater. Those were the games that like I was like nine ten years old and i you know dude i'll never forget hearing goldfinger for the first time like superman and stuff dude, like that. that's exactly the song like we were sitting there and i looked up and i was like is that goldfinger playing right yeah. now <laughs> oh man uh, i'm so you know, jazzed the other, now <laughs> the other the other thing that i really dig about it it's just a small thing but you know like there's there weren't that many n64 games that strayed away from like the gray uh you know shell um, and this one's like just a nice blue yeah, shell for blue. the game. That was awesome. Um, and there aren't that many, you know, like there's a handful, like, uh, like the WWF No Mercy game is a black shell. Right. You know, like there's a Donkey Kong game, some other games that were yellow, but there weren't that many blue run ones. Um, so that was just kind of like a nice added bonus. That was only like, uh, I think 12 bucks at regen. So that wasn't too bad either. Um, you know, uh, but I can confirm 100% that I am not good at that game. And uh, and that my girlfriend is much better at it than I am. So, uh, but even then, you know, she say like, oh, I spent some time playing Tony Hawk last night. It was frustrating. So uh, there's a learning curve. I, I think what would I would benefit from is this is probably the type of game that back in the day when I bought it, I would be flipping through the book to see exactly how to do things. Um, and it didn't come with a book, so I'm kind of like, I don't know how to grind rails. I'm just falling down all the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, it is what it is, but, uh, yeah, that was the second pickup was Tony Hawk's pro skater for N64. That's awesome. Dude. I had, I, I used to skateboard too when I was, I was younger. I mean, I could only do an ollie and a kickflip and like, that was, uh, the extent of it. But, um, you know, like I, I wasn't serious about it. It was just something my friends and I, like, you know, we did for fun. And I had friends that were like way more serious about skateboarding like like even in high school and stuff like that so it was a scene i always like liked and enjoyed even when i wasn't uh doing it but dude those games oh my god like 
again, you had Goldfinger, uh, Suicide Machines, uh, the Ernie's. The Ernie's had yeah. uh, Here and Now. Dude, that song, Here and Now, was in, like, so many commercials. I loved it because it was, like, it was this hyper-produced punk music with with um you had a dj in the band you had some sax it was awesome i remember that song even being in a really cool batman um game commercial as well i forget which one but that, that was such a good song yeah the dead kennedys there's it's a it's a it's a ridiculous soundtrack it's really good yeah it, it, that's awesome dude I'm, I'm so jazzed that you got that that is great and then the third pickup was actually uh so i've <clears throat> The reason that I only had three pickups is because I and I met actually Adam and I were texting yesterday. I had like some pretty serious money to drop on some switch stuff. Oh, I know um, what this is. I know what this is. <laughs> Go ahead. So, so well, and that so like I grabbed. Um, uh, there's actually two things. Like the switch thing, I grabbed. Uh, what did I grab? Oh, Tales of Vesperia. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I and I didn't. I I texted yesterday. I wanted to grab a new switch controller, like a wireless that I could take on the go. Um, I couldn't. I couldn't find one that I really liked. I'm I'm definitely a stickler for my controller being similar ish in style to my handheld or whatever. Uh, so I didn't want to get like a bright white controller and have a solid black uh switch. That's just me. I'm nutty about that. Um. But I got Tales of Vesperia. I haven't started yet. That's probably on the agenda this evening. Uh, but I tried not to buy a bunch of retro stuff because I figured I was going to be dropping 100 bucks on the Switch stuff. Uh, but when I was at Regen and we were buying Pony, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, uh, the dude at Regen that kind of has a really he, – he recognizes me. He knows me. He, you know, he'll hand stuff to me. Um, and he hand, handed me uh, Army of Two, the 40th day for PSP. Um which is I don't know if you're familiar with the Army of Two games, but they're uh, they're first-person shooters. It's it's two guys. You control one of them. They run through a world. They kill everybody. You have a bunch of missions. Uh, and it was six bucks. He handed it to me, and he was like, "You probably want this." And so I bought that also while I was out. So I do remember um, that game actually. Yeah, it's come back. There was a couple of them. And they had like um, those cool-looking masks and stuff like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. They look they look super badass. Yeah. Um, but they, I think they made a couple of Army of Two games. This one, you know, happens to be the 40th day. Um, I, when I get around to picking my PSP back up, that's going to be one of the first things I probably grab because it looks really rad. Uh, so, you know, on top, you know, on top of that Switch game, uh, the Army of Two 40th day was my last pickup of the last two weeks. I would imagine now that I don't have anything on the horizon or Switch or anything like that, that I probably will ramp up some of the retro game buying. So next episode, I might be the one with a whole bunch, and and you might be the one with a few. I have the tables have turned. <laughs> but, but for now, that is it for me. Yeah. Dude, I, I saw a ad for the, um, Tales of Vesperia, and just the anime cutscenes for that look absolutely amazing. There's a there's a lot there's a lot to like about that game. You know, I mean, for people that don't know, it was an Xbox 360 game a decade ago. Um, it's a you know a great JRPG game, great voice acting. Uh, for the definitive edition that's come out and it's out for Switch, PS4, and Xbox. Um, I think they've added two new characters and there's like a, a couple new dungeons. Wow. So uh, you know, I mean, it was. 50. I didn't need to buy it. I actually still have my Xbox 360 version, even though I don't have an Xbox 360 anymore. Um, I still have my 360. 
I still have mine. I will. I'm gonna get one. Um, it was a. It was the. I lost the 360 in a breakup. Um, oh my, no! My original Wii. Um, so, but I still have some of the games. So that's definitely something. When I get a 360, uh, I probably won't play through because I'm going to play through this definitive edition. But yeah, I mean, it 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 kind of stands as a retro game because it's not new. Um, sure, I would think uh, so. I kept going back and forth. You know, do I want to get it on Switch? Do I want to get it on PS4? And, um, you know, the selling point for me was now I can play Tales of Vesperia at work on a break or at a coffee shop or whatever. It's, you know, completely mobile. So that was a selling point for getting on the Switch. Uh, you know, probably by next episode, I would like to think I'll be a decent way through. I think that game's like 60 or 70 hours, so I won't have beaten it. But uh, I'm hoping, you know, for the best because there's a handful of games, not too many, that have been ported to the Switch that don't look ama- amazing um you know uh, the one that comes immediately to mind is arc survival um that game like if you put it side by side with uh xbox one or playstation 4 the switch version looks like trash uh, um but it's one of the few you know in, in general like wolfenstein doom skyrim um they all look amazing yeah those were so, received pretty well those ports yeah. i don't I don't know why Ark looks so bad, but I mean, Ark's like, um, from, you know, however far away, the trees look like Minecraft trees. Yeah, the game, um, the game's still, um, you know, it's, it's finished, and they're coming out with some extra DLC and stuff like that, but it's such, it's such a big game, it has some bad rendering issues still sometimes. It, yeah, they're, they're real bad. So, uh, that pretty much wraps it up for me, if we want to include Tales of Vesperia, uh, you know, that alone sent me back 50 bucks, so that kind of cut into the fund a little bit. Dang. Uh, go, going back real quick, too, on, on the Tales series, um, before we move any forward here, um, like, I never realized how far back that series really goes. Like, I didn't know there was a Tales game on the PS1. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah, they go I back, never and they covered everything since then. Yeah, it kind of like blew my mind when I first started learning about – like when I first started learning about Tales in high school, I thought this was like a new thing, you know? And then it wasn't until a, a little while ago I was watching a video. Um, I forget whose video it was, but it was um, PS1 Hidden Gems or something. And someone mentioned like, oh, I really liked the first Tales game. And it was like uh, – and I saw the PS1 and I was just like – I was like, what? It's <laughs> just like, where have I been, you know? Because, I mean, then again – the PlayStation 1 had, like, over 1,200 games on the thing, like, worldwide. So that's probably why I never saw it. So, yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of them. I mean, you know, like, and they cover, like, nearly every system. And I don't know that you – I mean, I have played through most of them, so I don't know that there's really a bad – I think you can kind of pick them up in any order, but Ooh. someone could correct me if I'm wrong about that. Uh, but, like, you know, there's been some pretty good remakes on uh, PS4 also – like Tales of Berseria was a really good, uh, and Zestria, both of those were really good on PS4. So, I mean, anybody that likes JRPGs and, and really lengthy JRPGs, this is a great series to try. Rad. Yeah, I never played t- Tales, but uh, maybe one day. You know, again, with my long, extensive backlog I have. But uh, with that said, I've got, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I've got ten games to roll, roll through here, so here we go. Um... I'm going to start off with two that uh, Ben already um, knows about. These 
I remember when I first found out about these games. These are PlayStation 1 games. And I got my PlayStation in 1998. And I remember around the holiday season of 1998, um, it was during Christmas break from school. I was at a, I was at a family party. And my aunt's uh, boyfriend at the time had um, – he would always buy my brothers and I PlayStation magazines that came with the demo discs and everything and stuff like that. So um, we were at the party, and he had brought one, and he gave it to us. So um, I, I remember sitting there reading it with him, and a game popped out at me. I always knew what the series was, but it wasn't until this one game that I became genuinely interested in the series. And I finally bought it. It was Bomberman Fantasy Race. The preview of this game was in that magazine. And I was just totally taken aback by it. So it's this really goofy racing game. But it's 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 weird in a sense where it's like... So you have Bomberman characters. But you don't race with carts or anything like that. You race on animals. You have ten different animals to choose from. But... It's like five of the animals are one species and five of the animals are another species. And so like one are these rabbit looking things, these giant rabbit kangaroo things. And the other five are like these rhinoceros dinosaur like um, animals, basically. And every animal has their own stats. So, you know, you pick one that you think would be tailored best for your play style and you pick a Bomberman character and you race and you throw bombs at each other as your weapons, you know, kind of like how in Mario Kart or Crash Team Racing or something like that, you pick up your weapons, but that's how Bomberman Fantasy Race works. And, uh, you know, I never had the opportunity to play it as a kid because with the game stores I had growing up, none of them ever uh, carried it. Um, I didn't have a, uh, a computer at that time uh, in my life, so it's not like I could have, like, ordered it online or anything like that but it was so um i found an opportunity to uh find it for a better price than what i was seeing it for on uh ebay uh complete in box with with the black label and i just thought to myself it's now or never for this game and uh you know not not that i need to defend myself but i'm going to put out this disclaimer because that's just uh, what I do, it's in my nature. If I was ever a superhero, I'd be, I'd call myself the disclaimer probably because I feel like I have to explain every action I do. A little OCD right there for you fine people. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, it's just you know I had I had some holiday funds uh, saved still. I had gift cards that I received from family members over the holiday still. So I was kind of just like, well, again, this is the best price, and this is all just you know, extra money right here. So yeah, it's now or never. So a, a childhood dream come true. I popped it in and I played a little bit of it and it pretty much was everything I expected it to be. So, well, right now I'm playing through, um, dragon quest, uh, three dragon warrior three still. And I'm thinking to myself, maybe when I finish that, I'll give a little bit more time to, uh, this game next to the, the other game I bought with it that day that I'm going to talk about because, you know, I just mentioned Dragon Warrior 3. And when I bought Dragon Warrior 3 and that kind of grew my love further for the JRPG uh, experience, um, which began with Pokemon. So then I always credit the Dragon Warrior, the Dragon Quest series for furthering that love. Um, a little bit after I bought 3, I discovered uh, Dragon Warrior 7 on the PS1. Uh, it's two discs, and, you know, there's time travel, 
involved with it and everything. It always seemed very interesting to me. It was one of the last uh, PlayStation 1 games to come out. For some reason, it was released a bit later in the United States, towards the end of the PS1's life cycle, so a lot of people were starting to focus their efforts on the PlayStation 2. A uh, little fun fact, this is the last Dragon Quest game in the United States to be called Dragon Warrior. We didn't start calling it by its proper name, Dragon Quest, till we got 8 on the PlayStation 2. So, fun fact there. So, it has the original uh, Dragon Warrior uh, logo on there with the 7 Roman numeral. But if you get the Japanese version, though, it, it will say Dragon Quest on it. So, it'll look, a, it'll look a bit more proper in that sense. But, you know, we used to localize things a bit weird back in the day. And it's got the original Enix logo before they had the merger with Squaresoft. So, you know, it wasn't Square Enix yet or anything like that. But it, again, it was a game that I always uh, wanted to play because I fell in love with Dragon Warrior 3. And knowing that there was one on the PlayStation, I was just like, oh my god. I was like, this looks this looks awesome. It just looked like a really, really fun game. And uh, I plan on starting this adventure uh, very soon. After, after all this time, after all these years, I finally have it. Um, complete in box, black labeled uh, PlayStation case. My case was pretty scuffed, actually, when I bought it. Um, so I went and got a bunch of spare, um, double, uh, disc cases, which I didn't realize they sold because I'd only see the regular jewel cases everywhere, you know? So I went online and did some digging and found them. So I was just like, all right, I'm going to order a few of these because pretty much all the double disc games I have in my PlayStation collection were pretty scratched and messed up, the cases anyway. So now I replace them and they look really nice and brand new basically. The discs were always in really good condition, thankfully. But yeah, compared to what I was seeing on eBay and stuff like that, you know, people were selling this game for like $70 and, and stuff like mm. that. And it's just, you know, I got it for way less than that. And again, holiday funds. So I was kind of just like, again, it's uh, now or never. I'd never seen, this was the first time I'd seen this game out in the wild, probably since like 2001 2002 at the stores that were around in my area at that time so yeah so i am so so stoked um to uh to get that and actually actually with that said um uh, i i, I want to add i i decided to make another uh, decision here with um, my collecting because again collecting is all about getting the stuff i think it should be about the stuff you want to get you know sometimes we we make those mistakes in getting stuff that we think other people might think is cool and you know i was definitely guilty of that with my little um sega game gear uh mishap you know it was like you know i did want one as a kid and i thought it would be cool and everything and when i got it you know i, I realized you know what like i'm not as into this as i thought i i uh, would be and um you know i i sold it and um you know hopefully i'll never have to sell anything else in my collection ever again because i i made that uh promise to myself since i was in high school actually but um you know, I'm I'm collecting as many wrestling games as I can because I love wrestling and I I love wrestling games. Even though there are a lot of bad ones out there, I still think they all have a certain charm to them. And I think that wrestling game older games are a great reflection of what was happening at the time. You know, it's a piece of history. But I always liked the the Dragon Quest series, and um, I decided to make it a point to um, start getting a lot more of 
of those games too. So that's something else I'm, I definitely plan on building up on in the future. So expect more of that, especially with a lot of the uh, the DS ports, thankfully, uh, that we um, got now. So that's happening in the future. Um, all right, next one up is a 3DS game. Actually, it was uh, it was four dollars, and um, I remember when this came out on the GameCube. Uh, it was uh, it was Super Monkey Ball. So this was Super Monkey Ball 3D. I've always wanted to play a Super Monkey Ball game. They always just looked so uh, quirky and fun. So I said, hey, it's five bucks. Why not? So I got it. So there's that. Um, next up, a wrestling game. WCW vs. The World. I found this for $5. And uh, I have a story to tell about this game, actually. <laughs> because I decided I, I played it the other night and I was like alright this is going to be awesome and I turn it on and already I'm looking at the menu screen and I'm kind of just like there's something weird there's something uh, off about this whole thing so I, I'm like looking at the menu and I'm looking at this plethora of other uh, wrestlers and everything and I'm kind of just like is this really a WCW game? Like, what is going on here? So, after I played it, I turned the game off, and I'm like, it's time to do some research here. So what I found out was that this game was not called, originally called WCW vs. The World. This was originally called Virtual Pro Wrestling. Oh, yeah. yeah. So... Which began to make a lot of sense to me. So when they localized Virtual Pro Wrestling, they retitled it WCW vs. The World for the Western audience, and they added in an additional 15 WCW superstars with the already uh, added-in plethora uh, roster of Japanese wrestlers that were loosely based off of guys that were wrestling in Japan at the time. All in all, the game has a real 3D fire pro wrestling feel to it especially with that with those characters added into the game as well so i thought okay well it makes a lot of sense why it's called wcw versus the world but um yeah i thought that was a very interesting piece of information uh to learn here so you know it's 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 kind of slower compared to uh, most wrestling games now but I, I mean, I think it plays better than something like WWF Attitude or WWF Warzone in that sense. So I am definitely going to make the time to um, put a few more hours into this and get a bit more used to the controls. Like I said, it's kind of it, it, it kind of similar to Fire Pro, so I feel like I could get uh, that grasp um, on it. So so that so that's cool uh, to have a lot more wrestlers in the game that I thought. Because I was reading the back of it, and it was just like, oh, 15 uh, WCW superstars. But I totally overlooked that it said there's an additional 60 guys in the game that no one has any idea who they are, basically. So, right. um, yeah, I I, uh, I was hyped because they had Eddie Guerrero in the game. You have Eddie Guerrero, you have Dean Malenko. Like, come on. Like, that that's pretty awesome if you ask me. Like, I remember when the Radicals first showed up to WWE at the time with Mick Foley, and they were like, then they like beat him up and, and everything like that. But I was I was a big Eddie Guerrero fan uh, growing up. We got uh, Rick and Scott Steiner, Ultimo Dragon, uh, Lord Steven Regal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ric Flair, Lex Luger. Um, 
Hulk Hogan, and I know this last name's kind of taboo to uh, say, but uh, Chris Benoit is also in the game as well. Yeah, the the older 3D graphics, um, I don't know, they got some real, real charm to them, so I'm looking forward to, uh, again, spending more time with this. It's got the old um, K to A ESRB rating on it as well, like before oh, right. came out with E and stuff like that. I always thought that was like a nice touch for those older PlayStation games. And what I found out was uh, Virtual Pro Wrestling, there was essentially three games. The second game was never released in the United States, but it was came out in Japan on the N64, actually. And it had a lot of all Japan guys in that game, actually. So, like, Giant Baba's there, I noticed. Um, and the third game is essentially WrestleMania 2000, actually. So I would like to see what it was before it became WrestleMania 2000 in the U.S., so that's kind of interesting. But I think they were all using that same engine, though, that uh, No Mercy was using as well. I think it was Aki, the AKI uh, engine. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so that was cool. But again, five bucks. Uh, shout out to uh, Wolfgang, Big Easy, uh, 77 on Twitter, because when I asked on the Funkmasters page about wrestling video games, he put this out, and... It was a game that I'd always seen and always remembered, but never really gave it any thought till now. So that's cool to add into my wrestling game collection for sure. A uh, a fun fact about that game is it was the very, very, very first PlayStation One game I ever had. Really? Oh yeah, wow! I got my uh, I got my PlayStation One in like ninety when the system came out ninety five. Ninety five, right? So I got mine in ninety six. I had to save up my own money to buy it, and then. Uh, my parents let me pick out any one game, and that was the one I picked. I mean, what kid that was a wrestling fan didn't want, you know, a wrestling game at the time? You know what I mean? So that's awesome. Yeah, man. All right, this next one. You know about this one because I sent this picture to you. <laughs> um, guys, oh, right. guys uh, for those of you that don't know, um, I've talked about this before, but I, I, I'm going to announce it now. I had an eBay gift card, and with that gift card... I bought an imported PlayStation uh, from Japan, a Japanese PS1, because, again, there's a couple of imports I want, like uh, Japanese Resident Evil Survivor. I want a couple of the uh, Fire Pro games that came out on the PS1. There's a Cowboy Bebop game that I mentioned an episode back. Um, but I found a game. I was I was at a digital pre- – there's two digital presses in, uh, in New Jersey. Uh, the one everyone knows is – the one in Clifton. Wonderful, wonderful store. Great staff. And, um, you know, they've, they've had imports there from time to time, but nothing that really, like, made me look twice, I guess, so to speak. Um, but the other digital press is in Springfield, New Jersey, um, near Route 22. And uh, the, the guy that owns that one was the original owner and creator I think of the store in Clifton and then he went out and, and made a, uh, a separate store and he gave the store to um, the other guys that were um, running out in Clifton so I went to that one late, uh, um, later on this was all on Friday and that's when I got um, WCW and um, Super Monkey Ball and a couple of other games that I've yet to say Bomberman and uh, Dragon Warrior were from um, last week actually so i'm in there and i'm going through the ps1 section and all the way at the bottom i see the only import lined up there on the shelf and i'm just like only one 
Let's see what it is. I pull it out. And already I'm looking at this thing like, what the hell am I looking at here? It looked like the weirdest game. It kind of had like a weird claymation cover. And I looked on the back of it, and there was the price. One dollar. One dollar. <laughs> and I just thought to myself, at this point, I could care less if the game is dialogue heavy or not. I need to buy this just to test the system out. It's a dollar. Like, why not? It'll be, uh, I, I just figured this will be an interesting story to tell. So I pulled it out, and sure enough, um, you know, on one side of the label, on one spine, it was just a bunch of kanji written out. So I flipped it over, and then I looked at the cover, and it's a game called Night and Baby. I sent Ben the photo, and, you know, he was kind of just as puzzled as I was with this thing. But, Ben, I did some research on this, actually. And, um, you know, people could laugh at me like, haha, you wasted a dollar, because it turns out there was a North American release of this game. But... I don't care. I don't care. It was a dollar. So, you know, it was a game I never even heard of or knew existed. It's a game called, in um, the United States, it's called Guardian's Crusade, actually. But in Japan, it was called Night and Baby. So that's what it said, Night and Baby. And I was just like, I don't know what this is. I never heard of it. And uh, I'm going to buy it. So, yeah, haha, joke's on me. There's an English version on there. Oh, well. But, hey. I got something to test this system out on now, so I really don't care. But, yeah, I know nothing about this game whatsoever. And, um, you know, just looking at the Japanese... Even the disc! The disc itself is um is really interesting to look at to see how different things are done in, uh, in Japan. And it's just so interesting for me to see, like, if you have a North American game, you know, there's that region code. It's the NTSC. And then it says, like, N-A or U-C if it's North American. But it's just so weird to look at this disc and see N-T-S-C and then just the J for Japan, you know? So, you know, I'm just I'm just going to fiddle around with it just just to make sure everything is uh, working right with it. Again, it was a dollar. I figured, um, you know, <laughs> why not? So this is going to be a, a, an interesting uh, experience. Uh so to speak. So, so here's to that. This is kicking off my uh, PlayStation import uh, collection, but uh, unfortunately, this thing's kind of going to be used as like a, a tester, <laughs> basically. But I really don't care at this point. So yeah, there we go. Night and baby. Um, next up, two Xbox games, Xbox originals. Um, this first one, another addition to my wrestling game collection. Uh, I remember when this came out. This was an Xbox exclusive. This didn't come out for anything else. WrestleMania 21. You know, it oh. wasn't a game that got a lot of good traction, but I figured this was two, this was $2. So I figured, hey, you know what? This was probably, you know, this was happening around, like, the Ruthless Aggression era. Let me, you know, like, you still had Thugonomics John Cena back in the day. I, I just figured, again, it's $2. Let me get this and just pop it in and see how different it was from, you know, everything that's happening uh, right now. And plus, it was an Xbox exclusive, so, you know, why not? So there we go. WrestleMania 21. And next up is a game I've always wanted to play because um, I'm a big fan of the Crash Bandicoot series. But I've only played the first three 
Crash Team Racing and Crash Bash. I've only played the PS1 Crash Bandicoot games. So, after that, Naughty Dog was only licensed to make three games. Three Crash Bandicoot games on the PS1. And they made the first three, but they got away with Crash Team Racing because they were making... Apparently, they made Crash Team Racing the same time they were making Crash Bandicoot Warped. But they decided to put... They finished Warped first, so they decided we're going to release it first. And the company just figured, well, you know what? They're almost done with Team Racing anyway. We might as well just let them put it out. And then their contract uh, with Sony ended... So, so at that point, Crash Bandicoot uh, was up for grabs, and um, who bought this? Um, Vivendi Universal, I think this is? Let me look this up really quick. This was, because um, I know Naughty Dog did not make this specific one. Uh, let's see. And the game is Crash Bandicoot Twin Sanity, actually. And I remember when this came out, and I was just like, I really... Uh, want to play this, but it only came out on the PS2 and the Xbox. Uh, Traveler's Tales developed it. That That's that's who developed this game. Um, they did this one, and I believe they also did Wrath of Cortex, which came out before Twin Sanity. But I... this I found this for 12 bucks, and I figured, you know what? I'm sure people would sell this for a bit more, given that it's a Crash Bandicoot game. And again, this was one that I missed out on, uh, so um, I figured, why not let me um, let me further my experience with the uh, Crash Bandicoot series? So yeah, I went with uh, Twin Sanity here. I got the uh, the Xbox version. So there we go. All right, next up, I've got three Game Boy Color games here, and um, there's there's a bit of a story behind this. Uh, I, I kind of hit a, uh, a milestone here, again, with uh, my collection. These three games were games I owned as a kid, and these were the last three games I needed to get back all the games I had as a kid on my Game Boy Color. I didn't have a lot of games uh, for that system, but these were games that had some serious replay value. I had Wario Land 3, I had Pokemon uh, Silver, but I, I bought Gold instead because that's what I found out in the wild. I had Super Mario Bros. Deluxe. Dragon Warrior 3, and I'm just going to go through each game here right now. I got Mario Tennis, Legend of Zelda, Oracle of Seasons, and my first Game Boy game ever, Pokemon Red version. Oh. So I I went full throttle here. I had the opportunity. and uh, Well, Ben, kind of like your experience earlier, I, um, I should have checked the Mario Tennis price. But, I mean, I bought this with a gift card. But I bought it for about uh, 12 bucks, but I just found it in a store for $9. So I was kind of just like, uh. I should have waited a little bit, but oh well. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, what can I say? Pokemon Red, that's most people, mine and Ben's age, it, this is where our journey started. This wonderful but unbalanced game. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this is where it started for me. This is where RPGs started for me. It was Pokemon and Pokemon alone, and it was this red cartridge with this awesome illustration of Charizard that looks nothing like the anime version. And um, that's 
what Gold and Silver did so well was improve the sprites to make them look more TV accurate. Come on, when we were all kids, we all watched uh, Pokemon back in the day. But I, I loved Red Version. I, I'll never forget my first playthrough and how hard it was. But again, it was so hard because it was an, it was very very unbalanced. Your damage output was never consistent, even if it was um, super effective against another type. Psychic were completely overpowered um, Pokemon in this game. I, I don't know how it got past anybody, but yeah, this is where it all started for me on this little simple red cartridge here, and I uh, I got it back. So that's awesome. Mario Tennis, I love Mario Tennis. Um, either the I mean I'll argue, I mean don't get me wrong, I loved the N64 version, but I had the Game Boy Color version. And this is arguably my favorite sports game uh, of all time. Probably. <laughs> I had so many good times with it. I'll tell you what. I Funny story about this was when I had my original Game Boy Color, I broke it because I dropped it in a sink on a uh, on a vacation I was on. Uh, and I so I couldn't play it for the rest of the vacation because I had to wait to come home and send it away to get a new one. Because I still had the warranty on it, thankfully. But um, I, I had Mario Tennis in the Game Boy at the time. And when I dropped it in the sink, I couldn't salvage the Game Boy. But I salvaged Mario Tennis, actually, though. So I saved the game, but not the Game Boy. So I'll, I'll never forget that. I think I was in, like, the sixth grade. I was in North Carolina. I don't know why I was playing my Game Boy by the sink with the sink on. But uh, lesson learned there. Don't do not do that. <laughs> just Just don't. Zelda Oracle of Seasons, I was never – like, I like Zelda, but there's a lot more people that know more about the series than I ever will. But I did have Oracle of Seasons. I did play a bit of it. Uh, I enjoyed it. Fun, fun fact about Oracle of Seasons, uh, Capcom helped make this game, actually. So I thought that was pretty cool. I don't know what the circumstances were for Capcom helping with this game. So I'll have to read a bit into the the history behind that. But, yeah, I, I'm seeing this as a real opportunity. I've never... I've never beaten... No, 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 I did beat Zelda. It's funny, because I had seasons. My brother had ages when we were kids. But for some reason, I became a bit more interested in ages. So when he beat ages, he let me play it, and I kind of just, like, forgot about seasons, and I beat ages. That's the only Legend of Zelda game I ever beat. So... You know, I played Ocarina of Time for a little bit. I gave up on that. So I'm seeing this as a real opportunity now to um, play through a whole Zelda game here with uh, Oracle of Seasons. So, yeah, there we go. That's uh, that's it. That's that's my pickups, really. <laughs> that's it. He's like, he's got ten games to my three. It's just, that's it. That's, uh, that's, a, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. I, um, I went overboard. But uh, <laughs> I, I I have a problem here, I'll admit. But I, it's just getting these games back meant everything to me. You know, I, I will share that with you guys, those listening in. So it's just such an awesome uh, feeling just to have them all back and just they're all as I remembered. And my Mario Tennis cartridge, um, I, I like this. This is kind of funny. It's on the back of the cartridge, so I'm not going to mind as much, but someone wrote the initials BS on the back of the cartridge. So I don't know who <laughs> BS is, but I 
I sometimes like like that because it feels like you know somewhere out there someone with the initials BS owned this game and now it's all the way over here in my possession you know this game is uh had some adventures of its own with uh, somebody else or or that's how they felt about the game when they were done with it <laughs> <laughs> I um but now I'm like well I'm I'm thinking to myself kind of like with my PlayStation collection there are lots of other Game Boy games out there that I still want to get that I rented at Blockbuster back in the day, or um, I, uh, you know, I've always wanted to get and just never had as a kid, so that's pretty much the window that opens up there, but you know, I'm still thinking about what I gotta do here for 2019. I got my, my Japanese PlayStation. I still gotta rebuild my old GameCube collection. And uh, let me tell you something, dude. I found something very, very interesting while I was out. I should have taken a picture of it and sent it to you. one of the stores I went to. I, I was, I was doing some digging. I was doing some research because I was trying to see if I could find like a modded uh, GameCube that could play like any game from any region. Because, you know, there were some other games that I wanted to get for the GameCube as well that you can't get here in the states, like. Um, Doshin the Giant, I wanted to get the uh, the PAL edition since it was Eng- in English. I found something uh, that I, I never knew this existed. I never knew this was an accessory for the um, GameCube. You know, kind of like an unofficial accessory like, like GameShark or something. It's called the Freeloader. Did you ever hear of this thing? I have not. The Freeloader is apparently this uh, disc that you put into your GameCube and you boot it up And it disables the region lockout in any GameCube, allowing you to play any game from any region on it. I don't know specifically, like, how it works. I don't know what the process is after you put the disc into the GameCube. But this is something that is sold. So I'm kind of just like, well, that solves one problem. I I could buy a freeloader. So... Yeah, uh, that was very interesting. I saw I saw it in one of the stores I was at, and I was just like, "Huh." I was like, "What is that?" And then I looked into it, and I was just like, "Dang, that's a, you know, just when you think you, uh, you know, you know enough, you you find that." Oh, and a- another thing too. Um, not that I was gonna buy it, but uh, real downer moment. I found a really cool uh, Samus edition uh, uh, 3DS. <laughs> and b- being that uh, Ben is a handheld aficionado here, I sent him the photo of it, and I was like, "Isn't this so cool?" And he goes, "Yeah, except for the fact that when you turn it upside, when you when you flip the uh, screen up, Samus is upside down." And instantly, when he said that, I it like popped into my head, and I was just like, "Oh, well, that really bumps me out now." <laughs> that um, that 3ds. Yeah, that 3DS came out a couple... It's one of the new uh, 3DSs, so, you know, like... Uh, I don't know if you talked about this or not, but, you know, there's, like, a handful of games, it's not too many, that you have to have the new Nintendo 3DS for them to work. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. The game the game that comes immediately to mind, and I, I know there's more than just this one, but uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3D, you had to have the new... Uh, also, um, Fire Emblem... Uh, what is it? Fire Emblem Heroes, or is that the mobile game? Fire the the uh, the Dynasty Warriors Fire Emblem game um, also required the 
new Nintendo 3DS. So, you know, what they did is they released it. They have all different uh, editions. Mine is actually a smaller uh, version of a new Nintendo 3DS. It's got um, changeable plates, so you can actually, like, change the faceplate on it. Also, I've sent picture, uh, Adam a picture. I have the Monster Hunter edition new yeah. Nintendo 3DS. Yeah. Um, and uh, the, the Samus one is in the same vein as the Monster Hunter one, where, you know, it's they it, they basically they just re- they released a bunch of them. When they did the new Nintendo 3DS, there was a gimmick. That's Nintendo. They did a Pikachu one. They did all sorts of different ones. And the Samus one, upon, like, its uh, announcement... The community that I was in at the time, the Nintendo community, everybody was like, it's great, but she's upside down. And I was kind of like, huh? And I went and looked at it, and I was like, oh, yeah, look at that. When you look at when it's closed and you look at her, she's right side up. Um, but when you're playing it, when you're gaming on it, and the clamshell is open, if someone were looking at you while you were playing, she's upside down. Uh, and that's, like, really poorly thought out, in my, you know, in my opinion. No, I agree, yeah. When it's closed... She's going to be right side up if you just pivot it the right way. But you can't do that when you're playing the system, and that's when people are really going to see it. So it's like, it looked nice. It's cool. I mean, like, I, I encourage anybody to go and look. It's, you know, it's not, it's red. Samus is on the cover. It looks really nice. But uh, to me, like, it was a, it was an absolute, I would have considered getting it if it had been right side up. But the way that it is, it's just kind of like, it's, it's kind of goofy looking. Like, you know, why didn't they think about this out a little bit better? But, uh, but yeah, sorry to be the uh, Debbie Downer of the week. <laughs> and you know what, too? Like, I'm looking at the price. They, they, sold, they were selling it for $200, and it's like, you know what? I get it. It's a new 3DS XL, you know, and it's, it's, it's a limited edition. So, you know, that, that's pretty much almost how a standard 3DS XL cost anyway. So Was I, it new? It, let's see. I'm looking at. It is new. It is new. Yes, it does say this okay. on the sticker. I still have the photo. All right, that's that's the difference because because like my Monster Hunter edition was like 150, but it was used at GameStop. So. Okay, here's something interesting I found too. I didn't buy this, but I also sent them this picture too. Um, if anyone had Dreamcast, you know that was the system to kind of like start online gaming. Even though like we didn't enter the advent of uh that technology till much later but with that they came out with the dreamcast web browser so i found in a bargain bin uh dreamcast web browser 2.0 with SegaNet. oh SegaNet. i um i'm not gonna lie while we were just talking then about the uh the 3ds i decided like let me see if sega.net is still a thing like let me see if we can like connect to this and uh my connection timed out, so I guess that's that, that is long gone, I suppose. I mean, I don't even know how it works. I mean, I, I suppose you would need a Dreamcast anyway to get the thing working, but I figured there had to be some website about it still. But, um, yeah, I thought I thought that was kind of like... I was like, I gotta take a picture of this just for, like, a goof. I posted it on the... It was, uh, it was also uh, a funny interaction that we had, because I got the picture, and he was like, I wonder, or Adam said, I wonder if this still works, and I was thinking, oh, I wonder that, too. And then all of a sudden, it dawned on me. I was like, wait a second, you'd have to have, like, a phone line plugged into it for dial-up, because there was no high speed back then. Yeah, so, and you know what? When he know. said that, when he said that, I was just kind of, like, looking at the front of it, and I was like, huh, and I flipped it over, and the display on the back is a phone jack. And I was just yeah. like, yeah! <laughs> I was just like, so I was just like, oh my god, what a time to be alive. 
Yeah, that had to be like, you know, you figure I didn't do any type of online gaming with a Dreamcast or anything like that. Um, but like, you'd have to think like, okay, you'd plug your phone line into it and then it would have to dial in. And like, you know, how could you play a game like that? Like, it must have been like snail's pace. Yeah, especially um, if you had dial-up. Like, if that's connected, yeah. that's connected, that's connected to your phone line, so no one can use the phone. So if someone has to make like an important phone call to like I don't know, pay a bill or something like that, it's kind of just like Adam, turn your goddamn game off. <laughs> it's just yeah, like... yeah. You pick up the phone. That's why, like, at my parents' house, we ended up getting a second phone line, uh, which is how I ended up getting like my own telephone numbers i was using not not gaming but i was using my computer so much to connect to things like CompuServe to go on to wrestling web uh message boards um i mean like it's that's a you know like a completely different topic for a different day how we used to consume and use the internet because it's like amazing that how it is now from when i was when we were kids um but like yeah, I can't imagine how slow it must have been. Like it seem it doesn't seem like it would hardly be worth it, but when you had the the capability, why wouldn't you try to exploit it in some way to be like, "Hey, look, we're the first ones to use the internet." Um but I, I mean now, only, you I know. I think you could only use like one game online, too, for the Dreamcast. I think it was um when they redid um uh they tried to reboot uh Fantasy Star, I think it was. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. that was I think that was the only game I think it makes do. sense. I mean, it probably. I didn't even think about the fact that that could have it mostly just been so that you could web, browse the web on on a mm-hmm. console. You know, I mean, I, I'm still like, uh, I'm still 2019. I will get a Dreamcast at some point. I'm positive of that. Um, and I mean, I literally, I wish I hadn't sold mine like a year ago. But, uh, you know, then it's going to be on because I'm going to get all the except like, you know, full controller with the memory stick that had the screen built in and make sure everything is working. And then I'm going to start collecting for that. So we'll get into Dreamcast sometime this year. No, it's, it's, it's funny, too. While we're still on the topic of uh, Dreamcast, when um, when I was at one of the stores and when I when I found the um, the Dreamcast web browser uh, next to it was a, a rack of old magazines and they had two issues of Dreamcast magazine. Because basically every system that came out for a while, for a little bit, you know, you had PlayStation Magazine, you had Xbox Magazine, you had Nintendo Power and stuff like that and so on. And just I, I, I saw two issues of Dreamcast Magazine and I was just like, all right, I'm like, let's open it up here. And, you know, there was stuff for um, for Power Stone and uh, some unique shooters um, that were uh, that you could get for the system as well. Um, I don't remember which games it were. I just. I, I remember Power Stone too well, so you know that game stuck out like a sore thumb to me in that magazine. But I was just kind of just like, whoa! Like it kind of makes you wonder, like who really held on to these for so long and like yeah. gave them in? You know what I mean? Like that's awesome. It's kind of like um, I showed you the photo of uh, the old Game Pro magazine I found last week from like 1996, and it had the Power Move Pro Wrestling Guide in there too. You know? Yeah, that's uh, right. I. I I just thought to myself like like I want to buy some of those back issues one day just again to uh to to, to reflect you know basically like what was coming out at the time Cause like like I remember when all those games were coming out and stuff like that it was I you know like I miss when you know as much as it's like uh a really it wouldn't be efficient you couldn't con- you know uh convince this generation to do it but like I miss like Nintendo Power and and you know. All, all the video game. I mean, there's still a couple of video game magazines, but like that used to be what you went to for like your news. And it's like now it's just the internet, and it's right at the tip of your fingers. And I, I definitely prefer that. 
but I remember like getting excited for things like Nintendo Power each month, and you know, and, and they they relaunched it as a podcast. I don't know if they stuck with it or not, but uh, but I definitely miss when like Game Pro. I mean, like the Game Informer is still a magazine because they partnered with GameStop, but uh, but you don't see too much of that anymore. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I'll still um I'll still read Game Informer like every now and then, but. You know, I'm going to sound like an old fart or, or, or whatever, but, you know, I, I feel like it's just changed so much. And um, it's, uh, I don't know, I, I kind of don't get the same uh, the same joy out of, out of reading it these days than I than I used to. And um, I, I remember back in the day, like, you know, I always got excited. You know, there, there was Game Pro, and uh, I remember uh, I remember Pocket Games, which did not last long. Uh, I think that was like around for like a year or so. And I I remember Tips and Tricks. I loved Tips and Tricks. That was a good magazine. Um, I I kind of got to a point there though. There are people out there still trying to put, they're trying to put out good quality gaming magazines that kind of make it seem like it's the way they've always been from like when we were growing up. And I'm finding a lot of these magazines of all places at Barnes and Noble actually. So I'm going to try to to make it a point one day to just be like pick some of those up and, and give them a shot and uh, you know uh, see what I uh, really think. I think one of them I saw recently was doing like a retrospective on um, the older Fallout games back when Interplay was making them. So I thought well, that'll be it. I, I would like to read that because I, I enjoyed all the Fallout games even, even the older ones too um, before Bethesda uh, bought them out. I mean, I played the Bethesda games first, but I went back and played those games after that, and I I just fell in love with them. So I kind of just thought, I'll read that. You know, maybe, maybe it'll give me a, a different perspective than um, other than something like the uh, the Fallout wiki or something, because there's a wiki for everything these days, you know, basically. So, you know, it's it's something new uh, to, to, to look at, something uh, different to appreciate. You know, I'm, I'm all about hard copies and stuff, but then before I know it, I'm going to start hoarding magazines, and I'm going to have nowhere to put those now. That's a whole different rabbit hole right there. So I'm not even getting... Get more, get more into it. I think I think we've done well, Ben. I think we've done well with what we've we've got here as far as our uh, our pickups go, and uh, just these little uh, little knickknacks we've uh, we found out in the wild. Uh, where can people find you on the interwebs? So you can find me on Twitter at Nuke the Bridge, which also for anybody that perhaps wants to add me on uh, PlayStation Network or Xbox, uh, it's everything is Nuke the Bridge. Uh, feel free. And then on Instagram, I am at Ben Visioned, and you can also see uh, for what it's worth uh, on Instagram. I post some of my retro pickups and some more artsy type gaming photographs at Quest Another. So that pretty much covers it for me. Nice. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at uh, New Plug. I've had a brand change. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at uh, Funkmaster Adam. Um, yeah, I mean, it's you know I'm either going to be talking about games, wrestling, or um, yeah, sometimes music. So that's pretty much what you're gonna you're gonna get out of it. Uh, you can follow uh, Game Jockeys on Twitter at um, Game Jockeys Pod. Yeah, that's it. Well, all right, guys. Thanks for uh, tuning in and and, uh, and listening to us here as we uh, continue on with our uh, our journey in uh, building up our collections here. Thank you so much. 
we'll catch you next time, guys. Take care.